Death Said Press presents Hot Iron and Cold Blood, an anthology of the Weird West. In these pages, you'll find stories by Joe R. Lansdale, Owl Goenbeck, Edward Lee, Ronald Kelly, Bree Morgan, Jeff Strand, Kenzie Jennings, Patrick R. McDonough, Brennan LaFaro, Jill Girardi, L. M. Labat, and more. Open window for submissions ends May 15th, 2022. For more details, go to deathsheadpress.com. The story of a boy who dreamed of becoming a man, but dreamed up a monster instead. It has hunted you since the summer of 1994, back when we confessed who we were through mixtapes. When every movie at the video store had dirty heads. You were 13 and thought you knew who you were. Only the shadow with too many teeth knew you better. It still does. And it won't stop. Not until you come home. Back to where it all began. Part cosmic horror, part coming of age story. Dirty Heads is a terrifying read from the author of House of Size, The Fallen Boys and A Place for Sinners. Out now. It was as if the video had unzipped my skin, slunk inside my tapered flesh, and become one with me. From the creator of This Is Horror comes a new nightmare for the digital age, The Girl in the Video by Michael David Wilson. After a teacher receives a weirdly arousing video, his life descends into paranoia and obsession. More videos follow, each containing information no stranger could possibly know. But who's sending them, and what do they want? The answers may destroy everything and everyone he loves. The girl in the video is the ring meets fatal attraction for the iPhone generation. Available now in paperback, ebook, and audio. Welcome to Dead Headspace. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. Today, we are talking with the author of Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke, amongst many other glorious books, Eric LaRocca. Say hi, Eric. Hi, everyone. So glad to be here. Thank you, Patrick and Brennan, for having me. I really appreciate it. Really glad that you could join us again um man it's it hasn't been a year brennan you remember i usually have this on my notes but i couldn't uh, i we we the last time we talked to eric was for the off limits release it was that september eric yes september yes yep all right so it has barely been over six months and we have so much to talk about so this is a this is a big answer this is a big question i suppose we could say but what have you been up to since september yeah i mean it's been like a whirlwind honestly since hey eric hold that one second because we have a little surprise for you buddy (gasps) 
Oh my God, stop it. <laughs> hey, it's Gretchen Felker Martin, only the author of Manhunt. Oh my God. Eric. Hello. How's oh it my going? God. My love, how are you? Oh, I'm doing so well. It's so good to see your face. Oh my God, I'm so happy you're here. Me too. I'm really, I'm, I almost couldn't make it, but fortunately things lined up just right. Oh my God. I'm like so, so, this is such a cool surprise. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, we're obviously very thankful for Gretchen for being here. Um, Eric, what do you have to say, buddy? Now that because uh, I forget the I forget the answer. <laughs> I mean, I forget the answer. I forget the question. I totally cut you off. Well, I feel like I don't know. I just want to bask in Gretchen's like glory right now. <laughs> like, I feel like I like. Why do I have to take the stage now? Gretchen's here, so Eric, you're just as big a deal as I am. <laughs> False modesty oh. never won anyone a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just to answer your question, uh, Brennan, I have been, uh, you know, really busy with um, promoting. I just independently released um, a book called You've Lost a Lot of Blood that um, 50% of the proceeds are going to Trans Lifeline, which is a really awesome organization. Um, And I have the upcoming We Can Never Leave This Place, which is coming out through Trepidatio Publishing June 24th. Um, And then we have the re-release of Things Have Gotten Worse, which is coming through Titan. Uh, September 6th. So it's definitely a busy, busy year for me. Um, my agent really wants me to slow down and like, not do as much, like kind of not write as much, but um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's been like such a, it's been such a cool journey and, um, you know, getting to meet amazing authors like Gretchen has been just like the cherry on top of such an awesome experience as live really close to each other did you know each other before you discovered one another's books no i i found eric's work before i knew him yeah same same yeah but yeah we hung out what like a a couple of months ago and i think we're gonna hang out again soon i've just been insanely busy yeah, no, totally. I'm I'm so excited to hang with you again. Me too. <laughs> you can come over anytime you want. My boyfriend like loves you. So Oh, that he's <laughs> such a sweetheart. Yeah, he's so sweet. He's so sweet. But yeah, Gretchen and I like don't live that far from one another. 20 minutes. Yeah, not too bad. So we're both Massachusetts people. So when I hear stories from uh older generation authors or you know, even musicians, how you find out that a lot of them are friends. It's really cool to hear those stories. And I'm sure that, I mean, even now, but you know, you, you guys are, you're just beginning um, to blow up. So it, it's really cool how you two, and there's a whole bunch of people in that area, how y'all are friends. Um, this is kind of a weird way to phrase this, but do you guys have any thoughts on, on that? Like a little kind of, um, eclectic community within this strange thing we called horror fiction? Um, I mean, it's crazy to me to like even be acknowledged by people who I've idolized for years that live, that just happen to live in the Massachusetts, like New Hampshire, Maine area. Um, 
like I'm really good friends with Paul Tremblay and like we've had dinner um we've been to like barbecues together like he's just he's like the most down-to-earth chill person you'll ever meet and he's a total sweetheart and just so but also like insanely talented. He's, I mean, his books are just absolutely wonderful. And I actually have a copy of, um, I keep some of the books that I'm reading like on my desk and I have a copy of the Paul Bearers Club that Titan sent me. Um, and I'm going to start digging into that really soon. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's just wonderful that there is a sense of camaraderie with the other folks that are in the area. Um, that do, you know, write horror fiction. Um, there's like a little kind of unit of cool folks like Bracken McLeod is another one. He's a great, great horror author. Um, I'm friendly with him. Uh, Chris Golden, who runs the Merrimack Book Festival and, you know, has published like amazing, amazing novels. Chris is a prince. Yeah, total, just such a sweet, sweet guy. Um, he is, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just very surreal for me because like, I'm on my way up, I feel like, and, you know, I'm slowly kind of getting where I want to be and to have that acknowledgement from the masters is just very, it's just validating, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, so Gretchen with you, I, I, you're coming from a little bit of a different place with your background and, well, maybe you're not with uh, being a film critic. Um, so I'm totally making a bold assumption, but did, do you kind of feel similar to Eric? Because as far as like fiction and prose goes, I, I, I just saw your post yesterday, two days ago, it's on the fifth printing of Manhunt, which huge congrats. Thank I was you waiting so to much. Tell you. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. Like who, who doesn't want to hear that? Like I, I have this copy of uh, Rosemary's baby and it's like the second or third year from when it was first published and it was like the 12th edition. And, and I mean, it's fair to say Manhunt could very likely be that. And what author doesn't want that? What's that feel like? <laughs> I mean, it feels pretty great. And obviously paperback runs are, are not what they used to be. You know, it's, yeah. it's not running off a hundred thousand copies of Carrie and just being totally certain that you'd sell all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but considering the way that the market is right now and the world that we live in, it's like a bigger response than I ever hoped for. And it's, it's really blown me away. And honestly, not just the local community, but like horror in general has been so warm towards me. Like, Brian Keene and Christopher Golden and all of these guys who have like no incentive beyond being genre buffs to spend their time promoting my work have, have just been so supportive. And, and I've seen a lot of the same people take up, uh, take up the torch for, for Eric and other writers, which it's a really tight knit, community especially compared to what i've seen of like romance genre writing or mystery or science fiction and fantasy it's smaller it's full of weirdos i think just sort of by its nature it's it's 
the ranks are tighter. You know, uh, we we've Brennan and I used to have a habit of talking about film ad, ad, film I can't talk film adaptations of people's novels, and I don't think we've done that for a while. But and forgive me if I've done this with you two before. I can't remember, but it would be seriously awesome to see eventually your um, books turn into something because those would be so fucked up and so awesome to see. And I say that in, with all the love. <laughs> <laughs> And and the really neat thing is, especially with you, Gretchen, and with Manhunt, is um, I mean, I'm I'm from Massachusetts too, so I love seeing that that local talent get um, kind of a big spotlight globally. And I, I think it's fair to say you guys have that potential. And you know, someone else to throw in there is Haley Piper. Certainly does too, with with all her wonderful books coming out. Um, oh, definitely, yeah. Brennan, I am hogging the air. I would like it if you jump in, sir. Actually, you know what? I want to I want to go back to something Eric said uh, a few minutes ago. You were talking about um, and you know what? I don't know if you were being facetious or not, but about how your agent wants you to to write a little less to to, to throw a little bit more less into their hands. Um, I'm kind of curious with the amount of promotion with, you know, you now having a book coming out through Titan and, you know, several other things in the pipeline. how are you handling that balance between still finding the time to write as often as you do? You know, we're seeing you pop up in so many anthologies, you know, uh, kind of headlining this one right here, uh, right alongside Haley. Um, it's, I mean, do you sleep? How, how are you, how are you doing? all (laughs) I do. I do write a lot. Um, I don't write usually like every day. Um, but I do, if I'm working on a project, like if I'm working on a novel or a novella, I will write like at least, at least 1700 words to like 2000 words a day. Um, so (laughs) Gretchen's face. (laughs) Just like that gave me carpal tunnel. Yeah, no, I, I try, I do try to like be productive, um, you know, when I am like working on a, working on a big project, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of the way the business of publishing is structured. It's, you want each book to be an event and you want people to look forward to what you're putting out. And if you, I feel like it's different for indie publishing than it is for like traditional um, publishing. And that's not a slight to indie publishing whatsoever. That's just the way the two markets are kind of varied. But uh, with like traditional publishing, you it's, it's very, uh, it's not really, it's not favorable if you saturate the market with your work. Uh, you really need to kind of be strategic in how you put out, how you present yourself and how you present your work to readers. Um, so, I mean, my agent is just kind of looking out for like the, the, the longevity of my career uh, because the way things are structured now, like I have, I have like three novels written and my publishing schedule is like full until 2025, 2026. So, nice. and that's just like two books a year, maybe like one book a year, um, I'm trying to push for two just cause like I do write a lot. Um, but it is difficult and it's hard to kind of in kind of like prevent yourself from 
going overboard and writing more. Um, it's just kind of the way it, it's, it, I think Stephen Graham Jones was really um, smart when he was putting out work like in the indie publishing because he he knew how to like structure his time and structure like the release schedule and now you see him like working in traditional publishing and he kind of just does like one book a year um and I think that's probably due to like his agent's um wishes just to make each book a significant event for readers um and I mean that's what I hope for too like you know working with Titan actually earlier today um, we, I don't know if I can talk about this, but I'm just going to talk about it anyway. Um, <laughs> my book with Clash that's co- that was supposed to be coming out in February, uh, we had to push it back to August now of 2023 because we don't want the Titan release that's going to be happening in March to kind of like cannibalize the Clash release that makes uh, sense. That's supposed to be in February. Yeah. So um, it's just you know, publishing is like delayed gratification and just, it's just the way it works. But um, publishing is a lot slow, like traditional publishing is a lot slower than I wish it was because I'm very much like a instant gratification kind of person. Um, And just the amount of content that I do try to put out that I like to have out there, um, you know, it's, it's difficult, but I, the goal is to work with traditional publishers and, you know, have my work like in bookstores and, um, you know, get the, get the same media coverage that Gretchen's getting. So <laughs> please don't get all of it. It's so bad. <laughs> I hear England comes after you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, this, this wave, I lost track when, fucking italy got in on it oh my god <laughs> i don't even know what's you're gonna a... cause a world war <laughs> i mean I with know. any luck i don't even know what to say to that like uh did has crash <laughs> say fuck off if you want to be but that's fine i'll just say has jk rollin actually come up with a comment not that i've heard that's surprising yeah i was surprised too i kind of thought she'd get in my face but whatever i'm there are very few things in this world that I want less than to talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't Extremely mind. Extremely fair. I mean, like, who doesn't want to get killed in a brutal way in a horror book? Um, yeah, exactly. Right? I, I, I feel like I'd be flattered. <laughs> uh, Eric, real quick, man. Well, this won't be quick, but maybe it will. We can never leave this place. I thought it was a wonderful book. It's... Uh, I, <laughs> I know you got a kick out of this. I referred to it as a bug's life on crack. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's not, it's not far. Off. You might, I mean, listeners haven't read it yet. They might think I'm kidding. It, it's not really that far off. No, I think the first time that I read it, I called it fraggle rock from hell. <laughs> <laughs> I love these comps. I could have used them when I was pitching it. <laughs> Next book, man. Um, yeah. So for, <laughs> How about you tell us the synopsis? I really get to start with that one because I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. So, um, you know, We Can Never Leave This Place is a um, novella that chronicles a young girl in a war-torn country 
Um, and one day she receives a knock at her apartment door that changes her life forever. And it's two men returning her father's body to her apartment, her and her mother's apartment. Her mother is eight months pregnant. Um, and the story kind of just goes off from there. I, I don't like giving too much info away about novellas because they are so short and the kind of like horror that I think works really well, or at least that I like to enjoy is when I don't know a lot about the content of the book or the film. Um, that's like how I consumed martyrs for the first time. Like I didn't know anything about martyrs going into it. And it's like one of my favorite, favorite films of all time. So, um, but that's essentially the gist of we can never leave this place. It's all about trauma and uh you know working through that that sort of those family family connections and uh how we process our grief i would say that that's the heart of the book okay well i'm hesitant right now because i don't want to give away too much um okay let, uh, if i do hit a spoiler let me know I'll okay time stamp. <laughs> so let's call it the climate Clim the climax climactic why is that word okay climax let's climax god <laughs> man uh climax climax that yeah. usually entails spoilers just fyi the way i'm gonna word it might not <laughs> just real vague did uh that come before before you were writing it, because sometimes I know people think of the end of before, but did that did that come organically? Was it an aha moment? What can can you tell us anything about that? You mean like the big reveal of what happens, right? Yeah, I, I was trying yeah. to avoid that word. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it came about pretty organically. Um, the you know the whole concept was rooted in uh, just me exploring this young girl and like her odyssey into like the depths of depravity. And um, yeah, I mean, it just kind of sprouted from a, a very like natural, natural place. I'm hesitant to like go too deep into like spoilery territory. Cause I want readers to, you know, savor this book and I want it to be something that they pick up and maybe they read things have gotten worse and they think, Oh, Eric's going to write like something similar. And then they pick this up and then they read it and they're like, what the fuck is this? Like, this isn't like things have gotten worse, which it's funny because I actually wrote this novella before I wrote um, things have gotten worse, but just the way that publishing it's that weird thing in publishing where one project gets greenlit before another project and it gets on this track and um yeah like I've been sitting on this idea for like three or four years now this concept so to like have it finally out in the world is just well it's not out yet yet but um you know to have to be promoting it and like talking about it with you guys is just really really surreal like um it's great. Like, I, I love that it's finally here, you know? Absolutely. Um, you know what? I'll just uh, say, let's go to a, a question from a guy named Spencer Lee. I don't know how to pronounce his surname, so I'm going to leave it there. Uh, he has two questions. 
going back to the basics here, what inspires you on a daily basis? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I mean, like the simple answers would be like, you know, I do like, you know, like Gretchen, like I love film. I'm a huge film buff. Um, so film always inspires me. Um, you know, um, a good book, even a bad book will really inspire me. So I know like what I don't want to do, what I don't want to present to the world. Um, you know, um, family, like stuff. I, I feel like I'm giving really generic answers, but like, you know, connections with other people, like that's really inspiring to me. And, um, yeah, just, um, and just cr- people who are like, creative and just like unabashedly themselves like people who you know what you see is what you get and they just don't give a shit what other people think of them and um they just are who they are like that really that actually really inspires me that kind of like fearlessness live your truth and not give a shit yeah, that's a great answer um his second question is do you write longhand on a computer and of the two which do you typically use more I write on a computer. I used to write longhand when I was like really little, like I would sit at my desk and just write, um, write longhand. But, um, I just found that it's, it's easier for me to, to type at the computer and, um, I find it like more enjoyable. It's just a, it's just a better, I mean, obviously there's something to be said about like writing longhand and like kind of feeling each word as you're writing it. Um, But I don't know. I don't subscribe to any belief that, you know, just because I'm not writing longhand, like the quality is anything less, you know? Um, So yeah, I, I, I kind of prefer to write on a, on a computer and it's just, it makes for an easier kind of more, um, just less complicated experience. Yeah, I despise longhand. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah, my hand gets cramped pretty quick too. I wonder how people wrote a whole book on that uh, process <laughs> and then rewrite it over and over again. Brian, take us away, sir. I'm I'm thinking of like uh, Clive Barker writing out the Damnation Game longhand. Like that sounds exhausting to me. Um, and if memory serves, I could be wrong on this, but I, I think, I think he wrote it out like more than once yep. uh, and, and multiple novels too. Not just that specific example, but yeah. Oh, that's, it's a lot. Like you said, um, Eric, your, your answer, as far as what inspires, you know, I don't want to dive too deep. Cause I believe we talked about this last time you were on, but I, I don't even, I love the answer of family because let's face it, you write fucked up things. You do. And I love the fact that your mom, for example, is so supportive that I believe she, she reads all your stuff, right? Yeah. She reads like everything. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought that was so cool. (laughs) What's her favorite? Uh, her favorite thing I've written is actually the book that's coming out with Clash, um, next year. Uh, she really liked that one. Um, she hasn't read the other two novels that I have finished, but I, I, you know, finished them relatively recently. So, um, you know, I'm hoping to get her, her to read them soon, but, um, she, 
there there are pieces that like she doesn't like um like i actually don't think she was a big fan of things have gotten worse um for whatever reason um but she does and like my partner reads everything that i write too which is really great and like he's also a writer so um you know we can kind of talk shop and he can we can talk about like you know, how we want, I want the scene to come across and, you know, he'll understand kind of the jargon that, you know, goes along with like writing. And um, whereas my mom is more comes at it from like a reader perspective, just like a consumer, which is great. So it's great to have like both of those perspectives coming at me, you know? Yeah, that's, that's pretty neat uh, that, you know, it's, it's, uh it's special. It's, it's a nice thing to have because you do just see so many writers talk about how, oh my gosh, I hope that my parents don't read anything I put out or they did. And yeah, <laughs> they did, they did read what I put out. And now it's, uh, you know, we, that doesn't come up at Thanksgiving. Uh, thank goodness. But I think that's a, that's kind of a special thing to have. Um, I did want to throw out that, um, you know, for paperback fans, I thought the interior on this, I, I love the layout of it. Um, it looks so good, right? It, it really, really does. does. And, yeah. you know, the kind of the pre-chapter stuff, I don't know what the name, what you would call that. But even like when you get into the actual book and there's some kind of um, almost bleeding onto the page a little bit it's mm. it's it's i love when you when you shell out for the paperback and you get that little kind of extra spice uh I, I, journal stone did a nice job with this one and i believe you know we said this episode's going to come out on may 16th and the book comes out on june 24th i believe they still have a deal going on where if you pre-order it directly from the publisher you can get it before the actual release date um, yeah, I mean, people have been pre-ordering it, like, you know, even a month. I think it went up, like, two or three weeks ago, the pre-order link, and people have been getting their books already, and, um, yeah. I mean, it's been it's been awesome, like, the Instagram photos I've seen and some of the TikToks that I've seen. Um, yeah, no, so if, if you do go to Journalstone, if you're in the United States, um, they can ship to you. If you're outside of the United States, you can still order, but I think you need to email um, Chris, who's like the head of Journalstone, and his email is listed on the description page for We Can Never Leave This Place. Um, but it's been so, it's been so great to see people like actually pre-ordering the book and the hype kind of building around it. I really, really like, I, I do like love this book so much and I, I really hope it finds the right, I hope it finds readers and, you know, even if they hate it, like I hope they leave a review and, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just exciting. I gotta be honest. I love this book. I can't imagine a world in which it doesn't find a following like <laughs> thank you Gretchen <laughs> well just to take this like post-apocalyptic backdrop and tell this really ugly unpleasant animal fable in the middle of it is so creative it's so interesting and it it does what all great horror does which is to sublimate something that a child can't deal with into something that's even worse for an adult to read. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I like how it's not set in uh, America too. I mean, you don't name the specific spot, but I thought that was a really interesting choice. And I did want to ask if that was 
uh, intentional in the sense where you purposely want to write from a foreign land, if you will. Yeah. I mean, in the original drafts, I think I was a little bit more specific and I think, I think I, I mentioned even like some specific like Middle Eastern territories, but then I was like, you know, I want this to be a little bit more vague. I want it to be kind of a, a story that, um, you know, just doesn't, doesn't tell you everything. Um, and it, it makes sense because Mara, the young girl who's our protagonist, like our narrator, she's an unreliable narrator um, for, throughout the entirety of the story. Um, which I guess is kind of a spoiler, but whatever. Um, but yeah, it makes more sense for it to be kind of disjointed and for you to kind of not feel too connected to any one place while you're reading it. Um, and I wanted that while people are reading this book, I I don't want them to ever feel settled. You know, I, I want them to feel like anything could pull the rug out from under them at any moment. And I think that's also, it's, it worked out in my favor that this book came after things have gotten worse because I feel like people expect a certain story from me after things have gotten worse. And with this book, it's just very, very different from, from that book. Um, and that in and of itself is unsettling to people. And I feel like might throw people for a loop when they start reading it. Um, but I mean, all I can ask is that people approach it with an open mind and, um, kind of surrender to the, to the story. But, um, it was definitely just to circle back to your question. It was definitely very purposeful to kind of be just, uh, non-specific with a lot of the a lot of the stuff and like I said like in previous drafts um I was a little bit more specific and I shared it with a few trusted reader friends of mine and and they kind of advised me to kind of scale things back and and just make it a little bit more cryptic I think it works really well for the the childlike perspective the the child's perspective children don't really have a a firm grasp on what the names of the places they are mean. Exactly. Exactly. And and so it's, it's, it really contributes to your sense of being in this, this helpless young person's shoes. Right. Yeah. She doesn't, I mean, she has an, she knows where she is, but um, like you said, like it doesn't really have meaning to her and it makes you feel it makes you feel just as helpless as her when you're kind of put in that, you're forced into that perspective where it's like, where am I, you know? And to kind of piggyback off that, just the idea that as a first person narration, you know, even if a child does have that kind of sense of place, I suppose, with them framing the narrative, they might, kind of gloss over those details like this isn't important i'm going to tell you this instead um and and i think that lends it a little bit of an authenticity totally yeah no i appreciate that um it's it's different like i've never i'm trying to i'm trying to think like i don't think i've ever really written from a child's perspective before in any of my work so it was definitely new new territory for me and 
um, it was interesting. I had to kind of like scale back some of my descriptions because I usually try to be a little bit more flowery with how I describe things and like the world I try to try to build in like my other pieces. But I kind of found myself scaling things back after sending it to the first couple readers I sent it to and um, just trying to kind of make things smoother and just streamline everything. Um, but just make sure that it's still well-written, you know, and yeah. cause that's, that's important to me. So. Um, receiving feedback from trusted readers on first person point of view stuff. One of my favorite things to see. And one of the most helpful things to see is when someone highlights a word or a phrase and says, this is the right thing to say. Uh, this is the writerly thing to say, but it's not what this character would say. It's not what this character would think. And, you know, even if that means that I've got to use more three and four letter words than seven letter words, um, if it just lends that, again, authenticity to it, that that's the way I want to go. And when you're writing a book, a story, whatever, from the point of view of a child like that's absolutely something I want to see as a reader is I, I want to be able to get behind those eyes and believe that uh, a child could be telling me this story totally and just to kind of uh piggyback off what you just said um you know sometimes so I'll just give you an example like with the book I just released independently called you've lost a lot of blood it's structured in a way that there's a novella within a novella in that book. And the novella within the novella is also called You've Lost a Lot of Blood. And it's written by a character in the framing story. So the novella within the novella has, I knew in my head it has to sound like this character, like how he would write, you know what I mean? Uh, it couldn't be like my voice as a writer, it had to be someone else's voice. So a lot of readers have been kind of put off by the, the writing style in the, in the novella within the novella. Um, but I mean, my response to that would be like, it's me, it's getting meta for a minute. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's like not me, it's like the character writing it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and I think like, that's, that's really important. Like that voice and, capturing that sort of um that authenticity I feel like it really adds to a book and really makes it a really just fascinating experience yeah all right so you know what Let, let's let's go there um I want to talk about how this book came to be how you surprised us all and dropped it on our doorstep one day um and uh how you already mentioned 50% uh, of the proceeds are going to Trans Lifeline. Uh, but let's talk a little bit more about the framing device. Um, to, to me, this feels like a little bit of a, and you know, a lot of it's probably the cover, but it's got a little bit of spiritual sequel to things have gotten worse. I could see people who really dug that way of storytelling yeah. latching on to this one as well. But it also stands on its own. It's it's not right or wrong to call this epistolary. It's just it's it's very hard to find something to compare this to. I just I can't really think of another book that is framed in the way that this one is. So where did the idea for that come from? 
Um, basically, I, it was. I wish I had like a concrete answer. It kind of just came from wanting to release something after things have gotten worse and kind of not necessarily cater to those readers, but just create something that was, uh, that just like challenged me a little bit and uh, maybe something that I could like flex my writer muscles a little bit and, you know, work on like poetry, which is there's poetry in the, in the book. And there's also uh like uh, recorded chat conversations between two people and like the framing story. And um, one reader described it as exquisite corpse meets a black mirror episode, which I feel like makes a lot of sense. I feel like that's (laughs) essentially the book. Um, But yeah, like it, it just, it kind of just flowed pretty naturally, like writing, writing that book. And um you know, like, like you said, the, the proceeds, like 50% of the proceeds are going to Trans Lifeline, which is like an incredible organization. Um, and I just wanted to put out something for my readers because I know that, you know, with uh, things have gotten worse, like pulling it from publication so that it could be re-released with Titan, like they are waiting a little bit, even though I have, we can never leave this place coming up, but you know, I chatted with a few people and they were like, you know, you should really just put something out. It was actually my manager who suggested it. He was like, you really should consider putting something out just for folks to enjoy, like in the interim. And, uh, you know, I had, I had it pretty much completed. Um, and I just thought, you know, I'll just release it independently. And that's kind of, that's kind of how it came to be. Can you raise that book up again to the camera? Couldn't get a good view. Thank you. Took a screenshot. Oh, you're good. Okay. (laughs) Um, And, you know, quick uh, little uh, Ross Jeffrey appreciation moment. Um, Mm -hmm. He did such a nice job with the formatting on this one. Um, he, He he does a very good job with that and he's just a such a nice guy such a good dude I love um yeah and then scott cole did some of the interior stuff as well right yeah so scott did he actually designed the ebook cover for the book mm-hmm. which is um the title page cover or the title page in the paperback edition um so if you flip to the title page in the paperback book it's also the it's the ebook cover so there's two covers essentially the first cover is by kim jacobson and then that second is by scott cole and that's the ebook cover and it's grim it is grim (laughs) um so what what i think is 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 neat and i I think this is something i wasn't you know writing down notes for or anything but now that you've pointed out it's it becomes clear that, you know, my initial thought was, oh, well, maybe you had started that novella and then wanted to kind of add the framing device after, but it, you know, having read a lot of your stuff, it really does have a different voice. It's almost a little bit more straightforward and a little less of that poetic prose that I think your readers probably know you for. Um, And ergo kind of fits the voice of uh of uh martyr black um mm-hmm. and you know to that 
to that end, like what a neat experiment to just, you know, write a novella, but with somebody else in mind. Um, Silly question, but I mean, was that, was that hard? Was it fun? Like, what's that like? Um, I mean, it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty neat experience. Um, I mean, I don't know if I would do it again, <laughs> um, but I think it, I, you know, I, I just, I basically just wanted to release this just to kind of give readers like a little, um, just like a little treat before the like legitimate, you know, upcoming, you know, uh, indie publishing, like the Trepidatio and the, the Titan book. But um, yeah, I mean, it was difficult at times, like kind of trying to not necessarily censor myself, probably censor isn't the right word, but just kind of maybe stifle my voice and just kind of write kind of more plainly um, and just make things less complicated, um, which was a process in and of itself. So, um, but yeah, it's not something I would, not something I would like do again, probably. (laughs) I did see that card, uh, I don't know what type of card it was for we can never leave this place. Uh fellow reader did it up. Oh, um, Christina, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know her name actually, so I'm just agreeing with you. But um it says the tower and it's yeah, Christina designed that. Yeah. That's really neat. Is there any is there any actual merch coming out with that book? I wish. Um probably probably not, honestly. Um I mean, I don't think Journal Stone has like a budget for merch. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, it would be cool. I people, I had people like messaging me about the cover art for things have gotten worse. Like one person wanted to wanted like my approval to use it like on a hoodie that they wanted to design, and I'm like, well, I don't own the rights to this. Like, you're gonna have to ask. Sam at weird punk. And I don't know if they ever reached out to him, but um, yeah. So just weird. You know, when you were talking about basically it's oversaturation of your work in traditional publishing sense, uh, marketing sense. Um, I know that Stephen King faced that, which is why I'm sure you guys know, but uh, Richard Bachman um, pseudonym. Is that, <laughs> Man, maybe I shouldn't ask, but I'll ask. Are there plans for a pseudonym with you? I don't know. I haven't really, I haven't given it any thought. Because um, if you're writing so much and you're just like, well, I just fuck this. I want to put more books out. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Um, I mean, one of the books, one of the novels that I have finished is very, it's not really horror. Um, it's more of like just dark, just fiction. Um, you know, it's not really tied to a specific genre, like speculative fiction. Um, but I don't know, like, I'm, I feel like I'm too vain. Like I like having my name on the book, you know, (laughs) nothing wrong with that, man. Uh, who doesn't want their name on stuff like John Carpenter's Halloween? Like who wouldn't want their name on? Yeah. Something? You just, work your ass off on it. Yeah. Know? I'm too vain for that. Like I, I want to see my name like on the book cover. What's it like seeing your, neon lights? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was it like seeing your book in bookstores though? Like that's gotta be oh it's amazing. Else. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. And um it's it's great. Like I've I've met so many really sweet booksellers and um folks that really like things have gotten worse who have been like, oh, I'll definitely stock. We can never leave this place when it comes out. Like they're just so supportive, but um, yeah, it's, it's such a great feeling. And I mean, I'm sure Gretchen feels the same way. Like when she sees her book, like in a bookstore, like it's just, it's just great. It really is validating of all the, the blood, sweat and tears that goes into publishing. You know, I haven't actually seen my book in a bookstore yet. I mean, I've seen pictures, but really, I just Ooh. happened to have not been in a bookstore since it came out. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a very exciting idea to me, but like the thought of going out just to see my book on a shelf feels insane. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, um, I want to jump ahead to StokerCon. I know that you're going to it again now, right? Yeah. Okay. No, it's right. uh, May 12th, I leave. So what are your plans for that? Do you, did you plan every, Did you schedule everything that you're going to be doing? Yeah, so I'm going to be on a panel with um, Gemma Files and Gemma Amore. I love uh, Gemma Files. Me too. I love her. Yeah, she's so she's so great. Um, yeah, she is. I'm really looking forward to just like geeking out and like chatting with her. <laughs> I'll probably be like an incoherent mess when I talk to her because I freaking love um, experimental film. Like such a good book. Um, but yeah, we're all going to be on a panel, uh, for epistolary and found footage horror, um, which is really, really exciting. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then we have the, uh, well, there's an author signing that I'm going to be at on Friday. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then we have the Stoker banquet, which is where they do the awards. So I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) We are all three of us wishing you the most luck in uh, superior achievement in long fiction. Um, 100%. 110%. Yes. (laughs) Fine, Brennan. Just show me up. Pat, do we have 115? (laughs) Nope. I'm fighting against Gretchen. That's a dumb move on your part. (laughs) It's true. I am truly fucked now. (laughs) <laughs> uh I also you got a uh nomination for Splatterpunk Award too. So that'd be that'd be really really fitting for you yeah. and both. Uh you'd be a regular Stephen Graham Jones just taking all the awards from all those other poor books, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, it's it's seriously well deserved though. I I, I hope it does win. Yeah, um absolutely kill him, take it all. Murder, murder him. Just no, take no prisoners. <laughs> you know, no, we are. No, you really do deserve it. One, yeah. one of just one of the most exceptional new talents to come into horror in the last five years. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I mean it. Like, I if, know you do. I know if I didn't do. think it, I wouldn't be here. I'm not that nice. <laughs> oh, I know. I know you are. <laughs> she actually said that when I asked her. She's like, "Yeah, unless it's any, you know, if it was anyone else, no." But Eric. No, she didn't say that. She's nice oh. to me. <laughs> um, Brennan, and, you and a- I, 
Yeah, I was going to say, I think it is worth noting that, you know, and I, I don't mean to take away anything from any of the other nominees, but this is not just, you know, Eric wrote a very good book last year, you know, maybe <laughs> the best novella. This is this is a book that just had everybody talking. It came out from, uh, and I love Weird Punk, but they are a very small indie publisher. And it just, <clears throat> I mean, this book did things that, we don't see books do. Um, I mean, it did things that like traditional published books don't, they don't sell that many copies. Like it sold almost 35,000 copies in like five months. Holy shit. That was the, (laughs) (laughs) I I thought it last time I heard a number, it was around 10. Good Lord. No, (laughs) no, no, no. We got, we got the final numbers. We got the final numbers. That is incredible. Oh my my God. God. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric, is it still? I know it's out of print right now, right? But when it comes out with Titan, that 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 adds to that tally, right? Uh no, it's it starts. You start from zero. We're gonna, yeah. So is your goal to be thirty five thousand copies? I'm going for forty this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, is there anything that's coming out? Uh, I believe it's September sixth. Uh, from Titan. Is there yeah. anything you can tell us about the uh, other misfortunes attached to it? Yeah, so um, it's, you know, things have gotten worse since we last spoke and other misfortunes. So it's the t- uh, the title novella is included in the book. And then there's two other stories included in this edition. And one of them is titled The Enchantment. And that is a novella Um about a couple that is grieving the death of their um, teenage son, and they relocate as caretakers to uh, a small island off the coast of New Hampshire. And um, one night there's a knock at the door from a visitor. And that's all I'll say about that. And then uh, the other uh, piece that's featured in the book is uh, not a novella, more like a novelette, short story length, um called you'll find it's like that all over and that's about a uh a gentleman who discovers a mysterious object in his backyard while shoveling after a a snowstorm and um confronts his neighbor about it and it turns into something a little bit more than he bargained for so um yeah, those are the two other two pieces. They're, they've never been published before um, that are going to be featured in, in the book. And then uh, in March, like I said before, March is going to be the release of um, what was my off-limits book. It's now with Titan, and it's being retitled um, The Trees Grew Because I Bled Their Collected Stories. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's a great cool. title. Now, as far as that, uh, the things have gotten worse reissue, uh, as of right now, Barnes and Noble still has, uh, signed copies available for pre-order. I don't know if that'll still be the case when this airs, but, uh, people can certainly go check that out and, uh, see if they can get their hands on one of those. What, what a cool thing to be able to take part in, uh, with Barnes and Noble. That's really, really excellent. Good for you. Yeah. I'm so excited. I mean, I was like so excited when my editor told me um, like the number of copies that they ordered, um, just, it was great. And then there's other, you know, 
sign copies that are going to be available elsewhere that I just, I can't talk about yet, but um, I'm going to be spending a lot of May just signing books. <laughs> like my arm's going to fall off probably Car- eventually. Tunnel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Now I do want to make sure we mention uh, cause later in 2022, you also have, uh, I believe it's the first novella that uh, Bad Hand Books is coming out with. Um, and it is titled, They Were Here Before Us. Uh, yes. What can you tell us about that? So that's uh, a very weird transgressive uh, piece that um, is actually a little bit more recently written than some of my other projects. I, I finished writing that like pretty recently. Um so to get it published uh, within like a year or two since writing it is is really great because I feel like it showcases kind of the direction that I'm trying to go into with like just dark fiction in general. Um, but I've wanted to work with Doug Morano for like years, ever since I read Gutted, the anthology mm-hmm. that came out like a couple of years ago. Um you know, that had stories from Clive Barker and I think Neil Gaiman had a story in there. And um, John Taff had a story. Ramsey Campbell, I believe, did. Um, so he just like he curates exceptional horror. Um, you know, he's like Ellen Datlow. Um, like he really has his finger on the pulse of what is trending in horror and like what's new and exciting. And um you know, he just reached out one day and um, and said, you know, if you have anything that you would like me to look at, like, I'd love to, I'd love to consider you for something. And I sent this to him and he was like, I need to publish this. So um, it was, it's been great. Like working with him is just, is so awesome. And uh, we have the cover art, like it's being designed as we speak, but um, it's, it's going to look like so amazing. Like I'm so excited to finally share this with everybody. And um, yeah, it's just, it's been great. Just great working with him. He really like knows horror really, really well. You're on a streak. You're not allowed to have a bad cut up cover at this point. I mean, I know. I feel is like there I'm, pressure there? <laughs> yeah, no, there is. Like, I feel like, I feel like I'll get, I'll like lose my street cred if I, have like a shitty cover so (laughs) let's dive into everything that darkness eats august 2023 through clash what can you tell us about that so i mean that is um you know it's going to be my debut horror novel um i wrote that i think i wrote that like beginning of of uh this no uh beginning of 2021 um so to have it like pushed back to august 2023 is like kind of soul crushing but um because like i feel like you grow so much in between books that by the time something comes out it's like i'm not even there anymore like i'm i've moved on you know um so we'll see how i'm feeling august 2023 but uh the, the book is very, um, it's set in Connecticut. It's, uh, it's like dark magic, uh, mysterious disappearances, all that good shit. And, um, a lot of queer characters, um, queer in both senses of the word. Um, 
just, yeah, it's, I'm really excited for people to, to read it. Um, it's back to my flowery prose and, um, you know, just, uh, kind of like back to my roots with, um, like fantasy-esque and like just weird fiction in general. So, um, I'm really excited for people to finally read it. Excellent. Brittany, you got anything before the, uh, what are you reading? I, I am curious, you know, cause so many people know you as they, they've read your novella length work. And of course your short story length work. Um, what can people who are starting to get very familiar with your writing expect to be a little bit different about a novel form? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think you still get the, the, the level of flowery prose. You still get the, um, just weird, unsettling kind of situations, the kind of off, unusual characters. Um, but I think maybe you'll you'll get to spend more time with what I'm constructing and you'll get to kind of savor it more than you will with like a book like We Can Never Leave This Place. Um, you'll be able to kind of live in that world a little bit longer and kind of just, like I said, savor the, the weirdness and kind of just relish in the, in the depravity for like a little bit longer. Um, I actually like, I'm really excited to have novel length work finally out in the world. Um, you know, I've been writing novellas and short stories for a while. So I think it's, it's going to be really, it's going to be very interesting to have like a full length novel out there. Um, and I'm really excited. Like I have these two other novels. One is we're still like in negotiations with a specific publisher that I can't talk about, but it was commissioned by this publisher. Um, and I'm really excited for that one to come out eventually. Um, and then another one that my agent is shopping around at the moment, but, um, you know, novel writing, I, I really feel like I might eventually kind of step away from the the short story length material and just kind of focus entirely on, on novels. I mean, that's not to say that there's anything wrong with working on short stories or kind of devoting a lot of your time to working on them, but um, I've really been enjoying the novel process, you know, like living with an idea for six or seven months, maybe even a year. Like it's just, it's just a little bit more fulfilling for me. And I think at this point, you know, and I, and I think you'll solidify this next August, but you've kind of proven you can write in all these mediums. So at this point it becomes, if you like short stories, you can check out, I have this. If you like novellas, you can check these out. If you like novels, check this out, but I'm going to write what I want to write. I'm going to, I'm going to do the length that feels comfortable for me and is kind of fulfilling what I want to do with my writing career right now. I think totally. that's totally valid. Totally. Um, yeah, let's go to what are you reading? So uh, we'll start with Eric. What are you currently reading? So the book that I'm currently reading is Foe by Ian Reed. Um, I just started it the other day. It's I read um, I'm Thinking of Ending Things and I love, love, love that book. Um, this book, I don't know. I don't know like where it's going, which I love. I love that kind of storytelling. Um it's just like very, there's just something off 
with it, um, but in a good way. Um, and also this cover art is just like so amazing. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I love Ian Reed. He, he was, um, he's just such an exceptional author. Uh, sorry, I muted myself. Um, oh, fantastic stuff. Uh, Gretchen, what about you? I am in the middle of two things. I am reading Grant Morrison's first novel, Luda, which is like this really sleazy, intricate, sort of semi-alternate universe story about uh, a drag performer and her rival slash understudy. Um, I'm really enjoying it so far. There, there are some some parts of it that I find a little edgelordy, but I'm I'm confident that something will come out of those. Um, and I'm also reading Otessa Mosfede's Lapvona, which is how did you uh, get that? Oh my god! <laughs> um, this is this sounds like such fucking name dropping star fucker shit. Jeff Vandermeer sent me his copy. Um, oh my god, <laughs> which, which is super nice of him it's That's really incredible thing. just like brutal ugly exactly the kind of stuff that i like so wait eric you can't can you get an e-copy of it i don't know i i don't know maybe i should ask my agent like maybe she could get me a copy <laughs> <laughs> worth trying yeah <laughs> Brandon, what are you reading um, I am about to dive into Orphans of Bliss. Uh, Mark Matthews put it together. It's got uh, Josh Mallerman, Gabino Iglesias, uh, S.A. Cosby, John Taft, Samantha Koyasnik. Um, and it's the, the third book he's put out that collects authors to write about addiction horror. The last, uh, the last one that he put out, Lullabies for Suffering, was excellent. And with the... With the uh, authors he collected here um i'm pretty excited to dive in i'm also reading um i believe it comes out may 7th maybe uh Haley piper's uh your mind is a terrible thing uh sci-fi horror it is every bit as twisted as you expect uh the things that come out of Haley's mind to be uh but with that kind of innate beauty and it's it's her, you know, if you read Queen of Teeth, then, you know, she has this kind of uncomfortable comfort about her writing. And, you know, I'm here for all of it. Patrick, what about you? Yeah, so I'm working my way through uh, Anybody Home by Michael Love L. Yeah, yeah, I know that you, you met him recently, right? Yeah, he's such a sweetheart. And that book is so fucking good. It's yeah. so good. Um, audio listeners, I, I sold out the book. It's Michael J. Sidlinger. Uh, is that that's how you say his last name, right? That's how I've been saying it. Yeah. All right, fuck it. Maybe it's not, but that's how <laughs> we say. It. Uh, and uh, I'm finishing up Daniel Cross's uh, Blood Sugar. It's um, it's really neat. It's like a Clockwork Orange, but in modern times, and um, so it has just a lot of modern uh, pop uh, culture references, but. Dan Cross says it in a, like we were talking about a child's voice. This is just a kid that has had some really shitty luck. So it reflects in 
not only how he views the world, but his uh, vocabulary and basically his expectations with adults. And they aren't great. Um, so it, it's super interesting book. But uh, Eric and then Gretchen, where can people follow you? So I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Hysteric Teeth. And you can also reach me on my website, ericlaraca.com. Um, and I just started a Facebook page. Um, so people can head over there if they, they use Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at scumbelievable. And I have a Patreon under my own name, Gretchen Felker Martin, where I post all my film criticism. And uh, final thoughts, Eric, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, this was awesome. I can't believe Gretchen showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really glad I could. Oh my God. I'm, I was so shocked. Like I, I'm so, you know, I'm like such a huge fan of your work and um, just like love everything you do. So it's just really cool. It was really cool to, and special to have you here. Well, I'm really glad it was important for me to be here with my metaphorical foam finger. I just, I love watching you take off. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Gretchen, a final thought. It sounded like you had them, but just in case I'm wrong, final thoughts on your end? Yeah, Eric fucking rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brennan. I'd like to echo that. Eric fucking rules. Gretchen fucking rules. We love you both. We would love to have you both on, you know, anytime you want to come. Uh, you are more than welcome. You both have such fun Twitter handles, and we thank you for your time on Friday night, both of you. Especially Gretchen, I gave her a super short notice because we were sc- we were scattering um, with our own plans. So for that, thank you so much. Um, it was awesome having you back. And I'm really glad I could. It, you know, just being a Massachusetts person, it's really cool seeing. Um, you know, you, you two just take off and, and this is just the beginning. It's, it's really amazing to see this. So congrats to you two on the current success. And um, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. So I don't sound like I'm kissing your asses forever. Uh, I probably will. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for sticking around. And as always, you have many choices in podcasts. Thanks for picking us. 